Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm the very lazy Father Andrew Dickinson. <laughs> and, we, <laughs> and this is going to be a good episode. I can already <laughs> tell. Uh, our job here is to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's, uh, to me, really intriguing, and I'm really excited about today's topic. But before we get there, we want to remind you, as always, that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode or ideas about future episodes, because we are desperate, please <laughs> contact us. You could email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, that's I-G-N-I-T-I-O-N at S-F-C-A-T-H-O-L-I-C dot O-R-G. You can also tweet at us. The Twitter handle is at sfdiocese. Use the hashtag ignition. Tweet at us with the handle at sfdiocese, hashtag ignition. You said it's our job. Boy, I feel like it's more like a hobby. Oh. Because I'm kind of lazy. <laughs> Um, I'll explain Father's laziness or, or his <laughs> reference to his laziness and my laughter about it momentarily. But just to uh, introduce ourselves a little bit more, if you've never listened to Ignition before, again, my name is Chris Bergwald. My position with the Diocese of Sioux Falls is Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization. I'm also a husband um, of almost 17 years um, and father to five great kids. But not grandkids. <laughs> not, yet, not yet. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. I've been a priest for just over 10 years, uh, and I'm the pastor at St. Paul's in White and the director of the Pius XII Newman Center at SDSU, beginning my eighth year in those places. Well, so when, when was your anniversary? Remind me again. June 2nd. So happy. Well, I think I already did. You uh, did. You did. Thank you, though. Again, happy 10th anniversary. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, happy ten, 17th right? anniversary. We talked about, thank you. 10, right? Is, is 10 the 10 year? I think it is 10. We looked it up, I think. 10 is uh, the 10. Last month. So um, I think I looked up in the middle of a podcast when we were recording you did, this. You did. <laughs> so what we're going to be talking about in this episode, Father's reference to his uh, alleged laziness. I only work one day a week. Exactly. That's the so the perception, uh, Father. And just some more context to you about why we're we're talking about this. Um, uh, over the weekend, uh, I was talking to some people about you know what would you like to 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 hear more about? Give me some ideas for episodes of ignition. And one they thought would be and, and the, the very faithful couple, very faithful family. Um, so they know a bit of the answer to the question, but but they thought it'd be fun to talk, interesting to talk about what exactly priests do hmm. other than Sundays, other than saying mass, in other words, right. Um, and so you've been at this thing called priesthood for 10 plus years now. Yeah. Um, so I think you, you probably have a good idea by now of, of the sorts of things that, that it, what it means to be a priest, the sort of things that you do as a priest. So I thought we could talk, um, my, my, my at least uh, working title for this episode is A Week in the Life of a Diocesan Priest. Hmm. And Father, I do think it's important to distinguish diocesan from religious order. Priest. Right. Right. And a uh, religious order priest is one who uh, has a devotion to a founder, typically, or to a charism of life, uh, such as St. Francis of Assisi, St. Ignatius of Loyola, or some such thing, and then joins that religious order and through that religious order becomes an ordained priest. Right. Uh, ordained by a bishop. Uh, and then a diocesan priest is one who works directly for the bishop. In contrast to a religious priest, sometimes we're called 
Uh-huh. Secular priests. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Secular priests. Yeah. When I was first learning, I'm like, that was really confusing to me. A, a secular priest. I don't want to. I want a holy I thought, priest. I thought, Mick, sec- I, I thought Mick Jagger was a secular priest. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> An official of the uh, cult of secularism. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm a secular priest in that way, which means that I work for my bishop and I'm bound to my bishop and bound to a diocese where a religious order priest is down to his brotherhood, his order. Uh, I was working on a 30-day retreat in May into June, and there was a Franciscan priest working on it. And it was hilarious. He's very New York, but he's always talking about his bros. Okay. Yeah, so my bros. <laughs> yeah, but, but by which he meant his fellow uh, Franciscans who lived in the uh, in the house with him. For the friars, the fellow yeah. friars. Right. Uh, so his bros. So my bros are, you know, the other priests of the diocese, and my father, in a sense, then is the bishop. Right. Yep. Right. Um what would be interesting, by the way, I, I, I'd be really curious, I don't know if I'll do this or not, but way back in episode 54, like 5-4 of Ignition, uh, it was, we, we called it Father's Day, and we talked about your experience mm-hmm. at the five-year mark of him being ordained. So so I'd be curious to, to uh, compare and contrast episode 54 um, with, with episode 273, which is this one right here. Ooh, homework. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so... I get, you've been doing this for ten years. Yep. You're diocesan priest, not a not. A, you're a secular priest, not religious priest. Um, what what what's your answer? I guess maybe this way to go about it, get, to get into it this way. When you ask the question, so what do you, what, Father? What do you do? I mean, I know that you say mass because I do think again, faithful Catholics can can legitimately do legitimately. Like, what exactly do priests do? Right, uh, and it's interesting because it varies. There's a lot of variance in my life. Now, uh, as a Newman Center chaplain, which is about the primary res- time, con- the most time-consuming aspect of my ministry. Uh, of this current assignment you have. Of this have. current assignment that I have. Uh, my life is a little different than most parish priests, even. Right. And so, like, most parish priests, uh, their week is probably about 80% planned and about 20% unplanned. Okay. Right? There are different obligations and things. My life is about 20% planned and about 80% oh, wow. unplanned. Almost opposite. Yep. Yep. Uh, so now for a kind of a, a regular parish priest. And you have had that experience as an yes. associate. Yep. A parochial vicar. You were you were an associate in uh, Mitchell, South Dakota. One year. And then in Aberdeen, South Dakota. For two years at okay. St. Mary's. At Holy Family in uh, Mitchell and then St. Mary's in Aberdeen. Okay. North Sider. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Uh, but um, the so the life uh, of a priest there there is some regularity to it. Like the most regular thing is daily sacraments. Okay, you know there's daily mass uh, every day uh, in the Newman Center. I offer almost daily confessions. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, not as okay. much in the summertime because I've lost a large portion, <laughs> a vast majority of my parish is yes. is away. Right, but uh, certainly to do um, confessions on a regular basis at uh, the Newman Center. That's part of my day, every day. And then there's my own personal prayer, which has to take part of my day, wh- whatever my assignment is. And even on vacation, uh, I'm praying the the Psalms of the Office five times a day. So right. So and we've we've uh, uh, de- devoted an episode previously to the Liturgy of the Hours, right. which you're ob- obligated to do. So just briefly, can you can you speak about sort of the time commitment we're talking about with the Liturgy? When you do it, how long you do it for, that sort of thing. So the Liturgy of the Hours is uh, there's five different hours, if you will. They don't take an hour, but there's five different hours of the day that uh, the priest has made a promise to make, and he makes this promise as diaconate right. ordination. 
where he promises to regularly pray the Liturgy of the Hours uh, for his own sanctification, for the sanctification of the church. Okay. And so uh, I pray that five times. I usually pray Office of Readings when I first wake up. Okay. And then uh, morning prayer after I've exercised or gotten going for the day. Uh, and then midday prayer somewhere between the morning and the evening. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so like today, uh, as we were recording this together, uh, Dr. Bergwell and I had lunch beforehand. I was waiting for him to come downstairs from the chancery offices to go to lunch. And so I prayed my office there outside, right. uh, waiting for the midday prayers. Evening prayer, I usually pray in the evening Evening. time (laughs) and the night prayer usually about one of the last things before i go to bed okay uh all told you know maybe it's a half hour total of prayer during the day okay i probably could be more pious and uh, pray a little more slowly and devoutly uh maybe i should um but we're not here to talk about me (laughs) (laughs) but but i do think that's a this roughly so you've got uh just to, to recap so far Daily sacraments, uh, mass, and probably confession, yep. and then liturgy of the hours, yep. which is half an hour, give or take. Right, total, all, all total, told, all told. Total. Okay, and then uh, I try to pray a rosary every day. Okay, um, not required to, but wouldn't you want your priest to be praying a rosary every right. day? Right. Um, and then try to make a holy hour every day. So say a little bit. This this is a practice that um, uh, Bishop Robert Barron in a podcast in his. Uh, radio show talked about uh, a couple months, a few months ago now. That's something that really was popularized in our country of late by um, Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Correct. Uh, and and actually, Bishop Barron think, said this could be like the 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 mark that he made on the church may have been the popularization of priests, in particular, praying a holy hour and urging priests, emphatically urging priests uh, to to pray holy hours. So so say a little bit for those maybe who 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 don't know aren't familiar with with the idea at all. What 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 do you mean? by praying a holy hour? Well, uh, a holy hour is just a time, purposeful time, hopefully in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. Also, sometimes maybe outside that if I can't get to uh, a church with a Blessed Sacrament. In fact, yesterday, 4th of July, I was visiting my brother and I walked from his house to the nearby parish because I knew they had adoration, 24-7 adoration. So I was going to go make my holy hour there and it was locked. And, uh, so I was like, oh, all right, I'll just maybe sit outside and pray. But then someone came and heard me, had heard me at the door and they interrogated me to make sure I wasn't a vagrant or something. Right. And, uh, but they let me in and pray, which is nice. And I understand them locking the door yep. in, in a big city. Uh, so again, it's so a holy hour prayer, usually in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament if I can. And then usually with scriptures, praying with scriptures from the day, uh, oftentimes the scriptures uh, for the next homily I'm going to give, okay, daily homily or Sunday homily, working ahead and praying in that way. Uh, looking not so much for lessons for others, but lessons for me. Okay. I'm not looking, it's like, oh, what does Chris Bergwald need to hear? Right. Uh, but, uh, or what do the people of white South Dakota need to hear? Rather, I'm saying, okay, Lord, what are you telling me? What do you want to do in my life? And, uh, so pray with that. And then, uh, might do my rosary as a part of the holy hour. Um, might do some spiritual reading, uh, of a good book that leads me to prayerfully just kind of talk with God. And then just to share with our Lord what might be going on in my heart. So, uh, in a general sense, holy hour tends to be more meditative approach to prayer. Correct. Okay. More meditative or contemplative. Okay. And so, so this is this is a practice that many priests um, uh, have taken up, but it's not obligatory, and and not all priests do. Right. Okay. It's not. It's um, it's free to be done, and there's days <clears throat> where I miss it. Sure. Whereas I, there's very rarely a day that I've missed mass. Right. Since I've been ordained. Okay. Um. Maybe once when I had this, 
once or twice when I had the stomach flu. Okay, right. Yeah. yeah. At least once a year, though, probably. Like That I missed Mass? Yeah, Good Friday, probably you missed Mass. Well, yeah, that, but I didn't miss Mass. <laughs> okay, fine. Huh? <laughs> Wait, to be clear, so... Uh, uh, so Dr. Bergwald was trying baseball. to be cute. Yes, I was. He's trying to be... He's, yes. he's trying to trip me up. <laughs> there is no Mass celebrated Good Friday. We celebrate the Mass of the Lord's Passion, not the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Correct, correct. Uh, the Liturgy of the Lord's Passion, rather. So, okay, so... Your 10 plus years, only maybe a couple times when you were really ill, have you actually missed mass when you could have prayed it? Right. Correct. Okay. In fact, one, my, my first year in Brookings and, and White, uh, we had like 20 inches of snow on Christmas Eve afternoon. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so oh. I, di- I didn't have my uh, parish mass. I mean, the only mass I was going to have Christmas Eve was out in uh, my parish of White. And, you know, the parish council president calls me up, a wonderful person. She's like, Father, I can't see the machine shed. <laughs> and so it's like, no. I'm like, let's make the call, you know, start the phone tree. And, yep. um, but I'd said mass that morning because there's actually a mass of Christmas Day, right. Christmas Eve morning, uh, which is a daily mass, a mass of Advent. Right. And it's like, you know, no one probably prays this mass very often. Yep. I'm just going to pray this mass, yep. you know? And yep. So I did. And that's like, oh, good. I had a... I think it's the optional memorial of St. John Canty or something like that, isn't it? Could be. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. I don't remember. I don't recall that detail yeah, yeah. at this time. I don't yeah. want to incriminate myself. <laughs> so, okay. So. Holy um, hours. Yep. Holy yep. hours. So, uh, that, so we're, what we're looking at there is probably at least a, a few, a couple few hours of yep. each day that is spent. I'd say, you know, between daily mass and then set up, I'd say about two and a half hours. Okay. Yep. All told. Um, you're listening to Ignition, a broadcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. Uh, and we are talking today about a week in the life of a diocesan priest. So uh, answering that question, what is it that priests, specifically diocesan priests, what is it that they do all day or, or all week really is how we're looking at it. I only work on Sundays. And <laughs> trying to answer or, or uh, refute that misperception that, that some people do have. Or the, the legitimate question that others ask. Uh, if you've got questions about today's topic or ideas for future episodes of Ignition, please contact us. You can contact us via email, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you could tweet at us. That Twitter handle is sfdiocese. Use the hashtag ignition. So, um, so two, two and a half, maybe three hours, all told, mass, uh, personal prayer, holy hour. Mm-hmm. Um, confession. What else goes into the the week of a typical diocesan priest? Well, then there's uh, <laughs> parish meetings, uh, responsibilities in that way. Uh, so there's parish councils, which probably for a lot of places are near monthly basis. There's a finance council, probably near a monthly basis. There might be a liturgy meeting uh, on probably a monthly basis with musicians and others. Uh, those are often in the evening times. Right. Uh, during the daytime, then during the week, it uh, gets filled up with things like occasional funerals, depending on what sort of ministry you have, you might have more or less funerals. And, and to be there, it's not just the, it's not just... It's not just a funeral mass. You have uh, going and meeting the family, maybe praying with them as they receive the body for the first time, uh, going over uh, the funeral ritual and what is it that they want to use from the Catholic's funeral rites uh, for their funeral, uh, ministering to them in that way. And so that goes in, all that kind of goes into funeral, not just the wake service, not just the funeral itself and the dinner that follows. And the burial, typically. Right, right. the burial. Okay. Uh, so all those kind of come into play. Okay. Uh, there's hospital visits, visits of the sick, um, p- people that are ill. Uh, that certainly comes into the week. Then you're also preparing homilies, uh, bulletin articles. 
you might have uh, the need for some um, continuing education reading, so reading up on things that are going on uh, around the world around us, and of course just reading uh, the fonts of the Church's goodness, the, bi- the scriptures, the catechism, uh, the spiritual masters of the Church. Um, there is uh, a priest should recreate. Right, right. You know, um, not not too much, just like anyone else shouldn't overdo it. But you know, they should uh, uh, exercise uh, according to their ability uh, and according to modesty. Uh, they should also then have uh, uh, habits, or um, not just habits, hobbies. There we go. Uh, things to entertain them, if you will. Uh, to me, that's part of one thing that you and I have talked about uh, before with the di- emphasis on discipleship and the, the four areas of formation that, that a mm-hmm. seminarian receives right, right. As, as a future priest and religious receive, and also laity can receive in their own way. One of those, so um, intellectual, uh, spiritual, human, pastoral, human formation, like just right. being, a, 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 well, how would you describe human formation in summary fashion? In summary fashion? Yeah. Uh, are you are you comfortable being human and all that means to be human? Could it be human? You need a place to live. You need things to eat. You need to take care of yourself hygiene wise and you need to be able to communicate with others who share your human condition. So everything to me, what you were just saying sort of, uh, mm. falls under human formation uh, right. in a sense. Right. And uh, it, it is in, in the book because a priest often lives on his own. Right. And so especially a diocesan priest, a secular priest is living on his own and so has a need all the more to be able to care for himself uh, and to be stable right, right. in that regard, um, to so, maintain that stability. Sorry. So some of the, as, as you were talking earlier, especially about funerals, sort of the, uh, not the literally opposite end, uh, but, but one of the other similar responsibilities that way, sort of an occasional thing, is a wedding and preparing right. for a wedding. Right. Right. And so you have uh, individual wedding classes with couples going over a relationship inventory you also have maybe some larger classes or engage encounter weekends that you might be working at for those couples engaging. And then just to mar- just to meet and to go over the details of uh, the wedding ceremony itself. And then, um, and then actually celebrating the wedding, whether it be a wedding mass or just the wedding rite. Right. And typically, I don't, Correct. I don't, I don't, I don't, is, there, is there a norm this way? I mean, I, I, I often, but probably not always, I often see the priest then at like the reception. I mean, just in terms of time commitment, is, is that a, a common thing? It is a common thing. There's not a, there's no requirement sure. in that way. Um, but it's often a courtesy. And as a priest, the people want me as a part of their life. Right. And I want to honor the places where they want me, if I'm able to, to be a part of their life. Okay. Um, thinking of, sorry, there's a, there's kind of an old pastoral adage that, uh, some of the great pastoral moments in a family's life are when there's a hatching, a matching or a dispatching. So, uh, explain each of or what, what, what do those refer to? Yeah. Hatching, of course, is a baptism, okay. a birth, and then a baptism. Uh, you're born pagan. You're not born Christian. And then, uh, matching is a wedding and then dispatching is a funeral right, or death right so the hatching so yes yeah, sacrament we've been talking here about sort of rec- preparation for receiving the sacraments all the work that does it as well as actually administering the sacrament certainly pre- preparation for a couple bringing their infant to be baptized mm-hmm. is one of them right correct and then and you're also working too with those who prepare others for the sacraments okay in that way you know we talked a bit in discipleship the idea of uh, training someone or helping someone to learn to follow Christ in their own life and then equipping them to do that with others. So in the same way as, as a priest, a lot of my work is support work 
in some ways, whether it's intellectual support, spiritual support, emotional encouragement for those who educate others within our parish. Okay, so that education within a parish, so catechesis, the work of catechetics would probably also be something that you do either directly or indirectly. Right. So what are different, some different ways that you've done and seen that done in terms of how directly involved a priest might be? Well, I mean, I've taught confirmation classes per se. Yep. Uh, I've, I work with couples sometimes with marriage couples because I enjoy those conversations. Sometimes a priest might train one or two other married couples and have them take care of all the married couples okay. or a father might delegate someone else to teach confirmation okay. in that way. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so a lot of it sacramental prep. What, how often do you just uh, meet with somebody, maybe not outside of confession, outside of sacramental preparation, sort of spiritual counseling or people going through mm-hmm. difficult, I think of, you know, uh, difficulties in a marriage, right. some marriage counseling. What, what about that sort of thing? Does that ever take a, a chunk of time? There's near one a day. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. At least with the college students. Okay. It's a little slower in the summertime, but it's nearly one a day. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, and that's, on the college level, that's certainly part of the unplanned. Right. Okay. So that goes for both well, uh, Newman Center chaplain, but also parish priest. That's part of the... You don't know what's going to walk in the door. Okay. Or who. So celebrating the sacraments, preparing for the sacraments... Right. Um, meeting so parish administration. Uh, what yeah. else? We have about five minutes left or so, Father. What else? What 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 am, what am I missing when I think of uh, certain? Oh, um, one, you can answer that question. But days off. Oh yeah. You only work one day a week, so really. Do, now, what we've been addressing here is is really what you do spend your time on. Most priests that I know of um, only take one day off. Is that the norm in your experience? It is, but I mean, there's other kind of squeeze moments. Okay. You know. Um, for a lot of priests, Sunday afternoon, sometimes there isn't a whole lot going on. Sure. Okay. Uh, sometimes Saturday morning, there may not be a whole lot going on depending on funeral and wedding schedules. Okay. Um, so don't feel bad for us. Uh, <laughs> okay. it's really more of a vacation than a vocation. What is the job? Oh, whatever. Yeah. Nice. But, uh, um, you know, one, one thing you're missing is administration. Okay. You know, and so like. Paperwork with the diocese, paperwork with your parish, paperwork with your county, maintain your tax exempt status. Also, just trying to maintain official relationships with your local community. Okay, you know, and so fostering relationships with other churches in town, fostering relationships with uh, the mayor or city council of the town. So, if there's things that you're concerned about as a priest, you have a platform to speak into it. Okay. Um. So, to me, really, as as we're talking, I'm thinking of. I knew it wasn't really, there's not a typical day. There are a few things that are common to each day, um, but it's not even really a typical week. It's more, probably more like a typical month, like they're like in the sense of pastoral council, right, par- right. finance council. There are a lot of things that just occur on a monthly basis. And then the, the days get filled up with those monthly or whatever they are things. Correct. And, uh, but they're all interrelated. The weekly schedule and that rhythm is tied to the monthly schedule sure. and its rhythm, which is then tied like to the larger liturgical calendar and its rhythm. So any... Or a school calendar, if you have a parish school. Even if you don't have oh, a parish right. school, you're tied to the school right. calendar. Right, right, So are there... Think about that question. What is it that a priest does other than, you know, mass on Sunday and that sort of thing? Any other misperceptions that you've come across, questions that you've been asked that that you think would be helpful on behalf of your brother priest to address? Oh, I don't know. I mean, nothing really strikes me in that way. Like, why haven't you asked me this before? Right. Um, you know, I think 
I mean, you, you talked about days off. I mean, priests should try to make good, encourage your priest to make good use of his day off to Sabbath. Right. Uh, lest he think that he's indispensable. Say more about that. Well, just, you can think of on a psychological level, is it like mutual dependency or whatever it's called? Oh, codependency. Codependency, right? Well, they need me. Mm. Right. They need me. I can't leave here. I can't go on vacation. I can't go on retreat because they need me. So, so I, first, well, they, but I, I do need my priest. I mean, I can't have mass with them. I can't go to confession with my priest. Right, what you do need, need a priest, but okay. you don't necessarily need this specific mm. priest, and you don't necessarily need that priest. Doesn't need to be around just in case something goes wrong. Okay, we just kind of think more of the biggest. Like they need me. Is what <laughs> if something goes wrong? In the same way of a mother or a father that is unwilling to leave their child with a babysitter. Uh, even trusted family sometimes so that they can go and recreate. Okay. Right. Right. So, so encouraging your priest to take that vacation, which typically, by the way, my experience is usually Mondays, right? Correct. Okay. Yep. Typically it's Mondays for most priests. And then, uh, you know, priest is allowed to have, I think three weeks of vacation a year. Okay. No, uh, something on an annual basis, apart from the major, you know, the big, the big whole high holy days, uh, you are, Correct me if I'm wrong. Canonically obligated to take a retreat, uh, or, or apparently it's apparently, I think I think it's recommended, or I think it's required. But I don't need to tell anyone that I've done it. I just, okay. I, just I don't have to report in, right? Because okay. I always report in. I'm always told you don't have to report this in. Oh, okay. I'm just going to keep reporting. So, out of curiosity, is that part of your three weeks of vacation? I consider it to be so. You do, but for me, I'm gone a lot. Also with the Newman Center ministry, sure. And then like working on the 30 day silent retreat. So working at broom Tram retreats and then like a spring break mission trip, a focus conference where I'm gone seven days for each of those things. Uh, I just kind of can, I mean, just to be fair and to be just. Right. Right. And then, um, you know, one, and just briefly, I think when most people think, when they think of, of their minister, they think of their priest, but obviously there's the bishop as well. The really, the, the typical experience, and apart from you as a priest or Bishop Swain as our specific bishop right now, right. is there a lot of interaction between a priest and his bishop, generally speaking? It depends on the needs. Okay. You know, um, it depends on personalities. Okay. Different bishops have different personalities, and personalities match differently with different priests. And so, um, there might and there might not, but then... But what a priest always wants to know is that his bishop is available when something goes wrong. Right. You know, right. Right. Uh, kind of thinking more, it's not so much like a parent with a grade schooler as much as a parent with a high school or college student. Right. They're kind of, they have to do some things on their own, but they need to maintain a connection and relationship with home. Okay. Otherwise, uh, when things go unfortunate or wrong, you don't know where your support is. Right. Right. So the importance of that relationship, that fatherly, paternal relationship. Yes. Okay. So I think, uh, bottom line, uh, you, you work more than one day a week. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so hopefully this gives you some insight into the the life of a diocesan priest. If you've got questions about anything we've been discussing today, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Or tweet at us, sfdiocese. Use the hashtag ignition. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes Store. Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen. 
or online at lamradio.com.